welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Let's stand for our scripture reading. It is today from Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. It's on page 1184. You might remember a few weeks ago, I mentioned a few verses that, a few passages, longer ones, that are worth taking into us and even memorizing, believe it or not, that are good passages because they provide a vision of a different uh, way of living, kind of an alternative universe, if you will, in the kingdom of God. And so I want to reflect on this passage today as we start this new series, and I'll begin by reading verses 1 through 14. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And as you are seated, would you join me in prayer? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come now to this amazing, insightful, piercing teaching. And we bring our hearts, we bring our pain, we bring our waywardness, we bring our sin, we bring our tendency and preference for the old ways. We bring this all before you and we ask that through our interacting with these words and with the truth that they represent, that you would stir our hearts toward you to walk in your ways. We pray in Christ's name, amen. I think Jordan mentioned at the beginning of the Uh, service that we're starting a brand new series today called Inside Out. And for the next six weeks, we're going to dive deep into the gospel's invitation to be transformed by God's spirit in the innermost parts of our being. And as his new is cultivated within us, it then begins to flow out of us through our thoughts, through our feelings, believe it or not, through the choices we make through the attitudes we hold, through the reactions we have to situations in life that go our way or don't go our way. 
and through our actions. I was talking with a friend the other day about this series. This is a friend who gets this stuff. This is someone who has been around here for a long time. They understand this kind of inside-out process, and they've been in the process for many years. And I mentioned the topic, inside-out transformation to become more like Jesus, that we're going to explore that for the next bit of time. And this friend rolled his eyes. And he said something like this, we're going to talk about this again? We've been over this dozens of times. And he's right. Almost right. We've actually been over this hundreds and hundreds of times over the past couple of decades. And the reason for this is because inside-out change, as we're going to talk about it in this series, is one of the pillars of Oak Hills Church. It's one of the things that we think is core in the Christian experience and on the Christian journey. And a long time ago, for reasons that are not at this point important, This idea of inside-out change became a core concept, a pillar of our church. We actually believe that drastic and authentic transformation is at the core of the Christian gospel. In the spirit of Colossians 3, using some of the language in Colossians 3, we believe God desires communities of his people who are growing in compassion, kindness, humility, Gentleness, patience, and forgiveness, and love is the preeminent virtue they offer to each other and to this broken and fractured and hurting world. And this love binds them together in unbreakable unity. These divinely cultivated character qualities, then, are being lived out and put on display by the people of God. And we actually believe here at Oak Hills that our calling as individuals and as a church is to put on these character qualities in an authentic way so they become part of who we are and they flow out of us. And both individually and communally, we reflect the beauty and the character of Jesus in this hurting world. And from my perspective, which, as I often want to clarify and qualify, doesn't mean it's right. But from my perspective, there is nothing more central or crucial for an individual or a church than to cooperate with the Spirit of God to bring about real transformation from the inside out. There's just nothing more important. Think of the current cultural setting we are living in. The pressure, the conflict, the division, the anger. This boiling kettle of chaos is about to reach 500 degrees because of another presidential election. Then throw into this very same kettle uh, widespread and growing rejection of God and disdain for this thing called church. And then you got all that in this boiling kettle. Stir that all together, and it seems pretty clear, at least to me, that for Jesus' people... No priority is greater than inside-out change. But for a second, let's ignore the cultural setting. Let's not pay any attention to it. When I reflect for, oh, I don't know, maybe three and a half seconds on who I am, on what lies beneath the surface of what you see, when I reflect on the interior junkyard 
cluttering my heart, I don't need to think about it very long before I say no priority is greater than inside-out change. And once we get all this change dialed in, individually and in our church, so that we are consistently manifesting compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love through our choices and reactions and responses and relationships, then, my friend, we'll really be right. And we can proceed with other matters rather than wasting our time talking about transformation and change. Might take a while, but we'll get there. So over the next six weeks, we're going to look at six different questions. And just so you know, our youth group is working through the same six questions, as are a number of our existing small groups. And as we have been announcing for the past several weeks, we have several short-term small groups that are running concurrent with this series to provide a space for further conversations and interactions about the very things we'll be talking about in here. And if you haven't signed up yet for one of these small groups, let me say it one more time. Your interaction and participation in these small groups is far more important and significant and life-shaping than sitting here listening to me or whomever drone on about these things. So I would encourage you to take the risk and sign up. It's a six-week group. And the times and the locations of the, some of the groups that have space left are right on that table in the back, uh, and you can go back there after today, and you can look at that and find out what day, what time works, and sign up for it. And today will be the last day that you have to sign up for it, so I encourage you to do so. So the first question of the six we're dealing with today is, what is spiritual formation? And Dallas Willard answers this way. It is the process by which the human spirit, our personality, character, and will, is given a definite form or character, and it happens to everyone. Let me try to rephrase and make that as simple as possible. Life has shaped and is shaping every one of us into a certain kind of person. That's what we mean by spiritual formation. Life has shaped and is shaping every one of us into a certain kind of person. So when we say spiritual formation, this is what we're talking about. Now, before we proceed, I think it's important that we recognize the language of spiritual formation is woven throughout this Colossians passage I just read. And what may be a bit surprising to some of you, the language of spiritual formation is actually woven throughout the Bible. So spiritual formation is not an Oak Hills idea or a Protestant idea, or a Catholic idea, or a Dallas Willard idea. It is a biblical idea that is woven throughout the Old and New Testaments. For example, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. Now, what is heart? It's your innermost being. It's the invisible stuff that churns within, that nobody sees, until the fruit of that stuff shows up through our words, through our reactions, through our responses, through whatever. Above all else, guard your innermost being, for everything you do flows from it. That's spiritual formation. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is on one, as the saying goes. 
He's assertively confronting the religious elite who are stuck inside their system, and they are thinking and saying things that are untrue and blasphemous. It's a real bummer when you think things around someone who can read your thoughts. So Jesus says to and of them these words, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. How can you who are evil say anything good, for the mouth speaks what the heart, what the innermost being, is full of? He continues, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What is this? Among other things, it is teaching on spiritual formation. What is inside shows up outside. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul says these words, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. He's saying, before Jesus came along into your life, you were a tree that produced this kind of fruit. You walked in these ways. See, spiritual formation, when we just take it as a phrase, is not a distinctly religious thing. Rather, it is a long and involved process that unfolds over time whereby we become a certain kind of person. Now, obviously, when we are first born, we are not an entirely blank slate. I say this because I wouldn't want to imply we're born into the world and we're a blank slate And then things happen, and that's what makes us who we are. I want to qualify that, because when we're first born, we're not an entirely blank slate. We have certain dispositions, tendencies, we might say, and inclinations, this or that way. Built-in personality defaults, perhaps, around introversion or around extroversion. Maybe even default insecurities, and fears, who knows uh, what, uh, for who knows what reason. So I've mentioned this before. Our granddaughter was born on June 16th, and here's a current picture of her. Now, here's the thing. I'm just finding any way I can to brag about her. So this has almost nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I get to decide these things, so I did. She's about four months In that picture, she's got her little orange blanket on. Her name is Elsie. And when Elsie was born, she was not an entirely blank slate. She already had tendencies. I'm not sure of all that they are, but we'll find out. She had a way of being and relating that was just kind of hardwired into her. And we've seen some of this. I'll give you one. She smiles, it seems, if she thinks you warrant a smile. So she kind of looks at you, sizes you up, and kind of, you can see her mind going, 
Should I or shouldn't I? I don't get many smiles. I'm not sure why. But she goes through this kind of thing. She seems pretty easygoing, at least as we watch her. But, of course, I'm not with her when she's screaming and yelling and her diaper's full. So what do I know? She seems fairly adaptive by way of just kind of her default way of being. She has blue eyes. There are things about her, in other words, that are built in. She's not a blank slate. <clears throat> okay, you can take Elsie's picture down. So born not a blank slate, but then, like all of us, life happens. Experiences occur. Inputs bombard our hearts. Relationships happen. Pain happens. We get exposed to certain things. We read. We watch. People say things to us, and for some reason they stick, and sometimes those things stick for a lifetime. People don't say things to us, and their silence sticks, and sometimes it sticks for a lifetime. We're bombarded with all these shaping forces from the moment we are born until the moment we die, and all of these things spiritually form us into a certain kind of person with particular values, triggers, goals, fears, insecurities, strategies, a way of being in the world, a way of relating to others, a, a sense of the vows we make in response to these shaping forces that have happened to us. And as more shaping forces occur, we continue to morph so that at any given moment, who we are is the result of these shaping influences and our response to them. This is spiritual formation, and it happens whether or not we know it or are purposeful about it. So spiritual formation is like aging. It happens whether we want it to or not. You could literally say, and it would be true, it happens every moment of every day whether we want it to or not. Spiritual formation is the process by which the human spirit, our personality, character, and will is given definite form and character, and it happens to everyone. So my question, rhetorically, what has shaped you? Why are you the way you are as you sit here today? What event or events, experience or experiences, relationship, or relationships help explain the way you navigate life and relate to others. Everyone has a spiritual formation. Every one of us has been spiritually formed, and who we are today is the result of our cooperation with the shaping influences in our lives. And here's the other thing. Everything we see, do, read, watch, say, think shapes us in one way or another. So we are always in the process of becoming. We are always cultivating the earthly self or the heavenly self. The old self, as Colossians calls it, or the new self. The true self, as we sometimes call it or the false self. So let's talk about 
Christian spiritual formation. What is it? It is the process where our innermost being, again, our personality, character, and will, is gradually shaped to be like Jesus. Meaning, our thoughts, what we think about, our feelings, what we do with them and what they are, our reactions, responses, choices, and actions reflect and display increasingly the character of Jesus Christ. Paul's wonderful phrase in Galatians 4.19 where he's writing to this church and he's feeling kind of the, the strain and the stress of trying to help them see the vision and move along and he throws this phrase in at the end of 19 until Christ is formed in you. That's Christian spiritual formation. In Ephesians 4, 23, 24, he says to the readers to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Carolyn Aaron says, Christian spiritual formation is what happens when you intentionally center your life in Christ. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 3, right at the beginning. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts, there's that word again, your innermost being on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, and on he goes. He continues, do not lie to each other since you've taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. What a beautiful description. Christian spiritual formation is about being renewed in knowledge in the image of our Creator. It's about a new vision of what life can be and with what, about what life with God is all about. So, a few thoughts on this. First of all, this is not for the elite few who are into this kind of deeper thing. And this is really important. So I want to say this just directly and as calmly and gently as I can. This is not for the spiritually elite. This is not qualified. So if you want to be a Christian leader, set your hearts and your minds on things above. It doesn't say that. This is not for the few who go, you know, I'm a Christian, but I kind of want to be a graduate level Christian. It's not that. What Paul and the Bible say over and over again is that this is the Christian way, and it's why Jesus calls it a narrow way the way few will travel. This is the gospel working its way into the details of our lives, and this is the invitation to all who say they are Christian. Secondly, Christian spiritual formation is usually a process, not a lightning strike. Healing takes time 99% of the time. Growth in Christ-likeness takes time 99% of the time. So the, the Colossians says we've been raised with Christ and now we are his beloved daughter or son and the old self no longer has exclusive power over us, but 
as we all know, and as the Bible indicates, and certainly as personal experience indicates, the old self dies hard and has roughly 9,000 lives. It keeps resurrecting. So the process of being shaped to be like Jesus happens gradually. Setbacks occur. But here's the thing. There's no magic spell to zap anger out of us. No snap of a finger and distorted desire just goes away. No abracadabra and greed is gone. The process takes time, and it is solely reliant on the Holy Spirit's work in our innermost being and our cooperation with what he's doing there. And we'll get into the specifics of all that in the coming weeks of this series. Finally, as we think about Christian spiritual formation, Christian spiritual formation is about the transformation of our insides, not behavior tweaks on the outside. And when we get into this kind of thing, I feel like I want to really start talking loud. I'm not going to, but I want to. Because this is where the wall of unbelief is very, very thick. Christian spiritual formation is not about outside behavior modification tweaks. It's about the transformation of our inside. Or if you want a starker, more gripping word, it's about the healing of our inside. Looking the part is different than actually being the part. Occasionally acting compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, patient, forgiving, and loving is different from being compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, patient, forgiving, and loving. Legalism is not formation. Legalism forms us, but legalism is not Christian formation. White-knuckle obedience is better than disobedience, but white-knuckle obedience is different than clothing ourselves with Jesus-like qualities. Remember, he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. Paul is not saying, put these on occasionally. He's saying, wear these every moment of every day so that in every situation, whether it is going your way or not, let the compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love that is in you and being cultivated in you shape your posture, your attitude, your response always. Now, can you imagine becoming that kind of person who lives that way in every one of your relationships, especially when you aren't getting what you want in those relationships? Can you imagine being that kind of person who lives that way at work and out in the community? When things go your way and especially when they don't go your way. Can you imagine Jesus' church possessing these qualities in greater measure as a contentious presidential election unfolds and the country's division widens? See, there, these are not just words 
that this guy 2,000 years ago spit out because he had to fill a page. He's writing this in the first century, stop it, to a bunch of people who are oppressed under the thumb of Rome, and because they were Christian, they were pushed out even further to the margins. These were people who were not in the power seat. And he's saying to them, regarding how they relate to each other, let compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love be the marks that demonstrate you are in Christ. Remember, he's writing this to a church, and it's right after this, verse 11, where he says, Here, there is no Jew or Greek, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, or any other distinction. Christ is all and is in all. In other words, you're used to being out in the world, and when you see Gentile, if you're a Jew, there's conflict and tension and anger and rage and malice. When men see women, there's lust and there's sexual distortion out in the culture. This is the way it works. When opposing groups get together out in the culture, they fight, they argue, they scream, they yell, they slander each other. They call each other names. They let their anger run wild and they don't care because that's the way it's done outside of the kingdom. And what Paul is saying is here, amongst the people of God, where we have Jews and Greeks, barbarians and Scythians, slave and free, male and female, old and young, Republican and Democrat, and on and on it goes. Here, we don't do it that way. So can you imagine Jesus' church possessing these qualities in greater measure as a contentious presidential election unfolds and the country's division widens even more? Let me finish this up. Why does all this matter? I'm going to give you a number of my thoughts as to why spiritual formation in Christ matters. And the first is because a movement has gained momentum with Jesus's people where being right has become a higher priority than being righteous. It's everywhere if you have the courage to tune your ear to it. And I would caution against doing so because it's extraordinarily disheartening. But a movement has gained momentum and it's infecting Christian people on all sides of the map where being right has become a higher priority than being righteous. And to stretch that a bit further, it's become almost accepted, it has become accepted, that you can be right without being righteous. That's why this matters. It also matters because there's a movement in our, that is gaining momentum where people are, Christian people are using Jesus to stamp an agenda instead of surrendering to Jesus when their agenda is thwarted. There's a movement that has been gaining momentum since Jesus walked the planet where knowing the Bible is the goal instead of being shaped by the Bible. Or put it this way, where knowing the Bible is the goal instead of being formed by the Bible. There's a movement that's gaining momentum with Jesus' people where winning and fighting is the order of the day instead of growing in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. 
So I know I'm stepping on all sorts of toes. I can see people grabbing their feet. But there are a growing number of people, if I can just say this, there are a growing number of people who claim to be Christian, but Jesus and his word are not the primary shapers of their inner life. Jesus and his word are not the primary agents of their spiritual formation. Our favorite news source shapes some of us far more than Jesus and his word. See, this matters because we are being spiritually formed. It's happening every day. The media's monetizing of anger and division shapes you, and it shapes me. No advertiser is going to pay for a news program that prioritizes unity and shalom. We're shaped by this. There are principalities and powers at work in our world that shape and form us in profound and unparalleled ways. Some of you may have seen the documentary, The Social Dilemma. It is well worth the watch. The documentary interviews several people whose careers used to be in the social media world of Twitter or X, Facebook, YouTube, Reddit, Instagram, Pinterest, and all the rest. And several of those interviewed held significant positions in these companies, giving them an insider's look at the business model that's driving these companies. And things were said in these interviews that were shocking and disturbing. And I was sitting around the other day, I watched this thing a couple years ago. I was sitting around the other day thinking about today's topic, and I thought, I wonder if that thing's got something to say about spiritual formation and why Christian spiritual formation is so crucial. And so I watched it again, and there it is, right smack in the middle of this thing, over and over and over again are statements that have everything to do with spiritual formation. Now, it's possible this documentary is full of hype and all sorts of distortions, and I, you know, it could be just spouting nonsense, and it's all lies. But something about it resonates, seems to me, with truth and with what appears to be happening and with personal experience, at least my personal experience. In the documentary, they talked about, and here I quote, attention extract, the attention extraction model as the basic strategy of social media platforms. What a phrase, attention extraction model. One former executive described the goal as, and here I quote him, let's figure out how to get as much of this person's attention as we possibly can. How much of your life can we get you to give to us? Now at the core of that is a desire to spiritually form people. Another expert in the field said this, it's the gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your own behavior and perception that is the product, changing what you do, how you think, who you are. That's quite a fine definition of spiritual formation. They describe social media platforms as, here I quote, persuasive technology that, quote, programs us at deeper levels. I mean, what is that? That's spiritually forming us. In their words, and this quote will just make you sit down if you're not already, we're training and conditioning a whole new generation of people that when we are uncomfortable 
or lonely or uncertain or afraid, we have a digital pacifier for ourselves, our phone, that is kind of atrophying our own ability to deal with that. In other words, we're spiritually forming people to rely on and need and never be without their phone and social media. We are spiritually forming people to turn to their phone when they are lonely or uncertain or afraid. Everyone has a spiritual formation. You have a spiritual formation. And everything we see, do, read, watch, click, listen to, say, think, shapes us in one way or another. Our phones shape us. Facebook shapes us. Likes on our posts shape us. Decarnation, hiding behind a screen, shapes us. My preference in all these little worlds is YouTube. Meaningless, dumb, completely nonsensical YouTube videos. The short ones or the long ones. It shapes me. Fox News shapes us. Put it on in the background and go about our everyday life. We're being shaped by what's coming through because we're hearing it. CNN shapes us. MSNBC, click it on and fold the laundry. It shapes us. Everything shapes us. Why does this matter? Because Jesus' people are called to center their lives on him and let him be the primary shaper of who they are and what they do and how they think and how they respond and how they react and what they value. And I can't stop thinking about this. You're going to be bored to tears with this because I imagine over the next year and a change, I'm going to be talking about this a lot because I can't stop thinking about it. Another presidential election is around the corner. You remember the last few? If you don't, I can show you scars I've got from the last few. The boiling kettle of chaos, this next presidential election. It's already boiling. Let's crank it up to 500 and see what happens. But here's the thing I can't stop thinking about. Jesus invites his people, the church, to something better to something that tastes a lot like salt and looks a lot like light. So I want to ask you to stand up as we wrap this up. And I'd like you to bow your head and close your eyes for a second. You can actually remain seated if you want. It doesn't really matter, but <clears throat> I don't have that power over you. I never would assert to. <clears throat> but I want to ask us all to consider making a decision today really easy decision. It's not easy in terms of what it might lead to, but it's pretty easy to make. And here's the decision. The decision is about our own spiritual formation over the next six weeks. And more specifically, who and what is going to be the primary shaper of who we are and that we give ourselves over the next six weeks to this idea that God's Spirit wants to shape us in some way some specific way. He wants to change us. He wants to transform us. He wants to heal us in who knows what area, but he will make that clear.
He wants us to put on, learn, have his character formed in us in the realm of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love. Paul's writing this to people who are feeling it in the first century, and he picks these words because the Spirit of God compels him to. Think of the world you're living in and hear these words again. Character qualities of the king reflected in his people individually and communally. The character qualities of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love. Where is God's Spirit stirring in you? I'm asking you to decide, and you can say no, but I'm just asking you to make a decision, yes or no. I'm going to choose to center myself in Jesus for six weeks, and through this process, invite his spirit to shape and change me in a specific way. Heal me. Holy Spirit, we bring ourselves to you. Help us to open ourselves to you or to tell you, not now, not interested now, can't right now. Life is too overwhelming right now, can't do it. Let us say that, if that is the case. But for those of us who are in a place where we can, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come in and to help us set our minds on things above. Help us set our innermost being on things above. Help us put off the old. Help us put on the new. We want to make progress in becoming your people. So we pray over the next six weeks through conversations with others, through our prayers, through our attention given to this, that you will reveal to us a specific way that you want to change us and we'll cooperate with you. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.